guys, welcome to the Public Health Pharmacist Podcast. I have another fantastic guest with me today. Um, I feel so fortunate to have this amazing individual as part of my world and part of my orbit. He is a local celebrity in the Las Vegas area. Um, I have known Consul Warren for, oh goodness, um, almost a decade now, which is pretty fantastic. Uh, I originally met the, um, what I would like to say, infamous Jonathan Warren, um, very serendipitously at a event that was put on by the Honorary Consul of Poland um, called Chopin on the Rocks. And then we ran into each other again at the governor's ball and the rest is history. We've been involved in multiple events throughout the years and I truly um, feel honored um, that I have been able to spend um, you know, some amazing time and events um, here in the Las Vegas Valley. And without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Consul Warren so he can tell a little bit more about how he became the Honorary Consul of Monaco in Las Vegas. <laughs> well, thank you, Christina. From coming from a from a um, local girl like yourself, that's really sweet to hear. And uh, yeah, no, I, I grew up in Las Vegas, and um, as you mentioned, you and I met ten years ago. It was ten years ago. It was at uh, the Springs Preserve, and it was the the uh, uh, Consul of Poland John Petkus's uh, production of uh, Chopin on the Rocks, and um, uh, which was an incredible event, one of the biggest consular events ever in Las Vegas. And uh, so, yeah, the, the rest is history, right? The, um, uh, yeah, so in Las Vegas, I, I am uh, the Honorary Consul of Monaco, which means I'm the, sort of the local diplomat for uh, the Principality of Monaco. I represent Monaco and Nevada, Utah, Colorado, and Wyoming uh, ever since uh, 2010, since just before I had met you. Uh, and uh, I'm also, I guess if I'm known for something else in town, it's usually the uh, the fact that I'm the, the chairman of the Liberace Foundation, that's the foundation that Liberace himself left behind, uh, which uh, benefits the performing and creative arts and, and manages his artifact estate, that those things that were formerly in the famous Liberace Museum. And so uh, those are the things I'm involved with locally uh, for the most part. Yes, so international world-renowned traveler extraordinaire all things uh governmental affairs uh with that being said obviously we are in uncharted territory right now as it relates to international relations and really how we conduct business and so that's part of the reason why i wanted to have you on is to kind of really talk about um, you know, some of the additional aspects of how the global pandemic has not only impacted us from a healthcare standpoint and from an economic standpoint here in town, but really our standing in the world and how that, you know, now that we are changing how we do business, um, how is that directly impacting consular affairs and, and why is that so important? Because I know you do a lot of work here um, for, you know, just diplomatic relations, but how are you changing or are you guys even able to operate right now in the current sure. uh, stay-at-home climate? Sure. And, you know, among the consular corps, and in, in Las Vegas, I believe there are 27 
um, uh, consulates, uh, honorary consuls, and uh, a couple of career consuls um, that uh, operate in Las Vegas and represent foreign countries here. The um, among that core, uh, uh, I'm probably known to have the easiest uh, post among all of them, uh, which of course is the Principality of Monaco. Monaco is, uh, you know, the, an ancient uh, principality in Europe in the south of France and is an independent country that is the smallest in the world except for the Vatican uh, and uh, among the wealthiest countries in the world with only 8,800 citizens and about 38,000 residents, uh, the most developed country in the world. Uh, and so I don't have the same sorts of duties that a typical consul would have. Uh, for instance, um, our good friend John Petkus, the consul of Poland, issues uh, passports for Polish citizens. Uh, he uh, helps them legalize documents. He uh, deals with those sorts of issues and things like when they lose their passport in Las Vegas and uh, all sorts of things, uh, dilemmas that uh, visiting uh, foreign citizens might have are, are dealt with by foreign consulates. I don't have so much of that to do simply because of the size of Monaco and its stature. My duties are much more in the PR realm, so I have an easier time of it. But my colleagues uh, are uh, very much involved in uh, those things. And in a time like this, when uh, things are um, so stressful and you have these unforeseen catastrophes going on uh, like COVID-19, then you have uh, uh, a lot of demand for the services of consuls, especially when it comes to things like legalizing documents, transporting uh, human remains, um, dealing with indi individuals who are hospitalized, who were not meant to, didn't, hadn't planned to be uh, here that long or in the United States that long uh, and are trying to get home, people who are trying to get in to see them, people who are trying to legalize documents for those people who are trying to make sure that their affairs are in order. All sorts of, of uh, uh, things like that go on uh, that have to be done through consulates. And so uh, it's very trying and it's a very trying time. Most consuls are honorary consuls like myself. We're all volunteers, we're a volunteer corps. Um, <clears throat> there are, of course, career consuls also, and in Las Vegas, those are Mexico and El Salvador. Uh, but most are honorary and we're not paid and uh, we don't seek payment, we're, uh, we're volunteers. It's, it's a very ancient form of bilateral diplomacy, the oldest form of it in the world. Um, and often when these sorts of things happen, um, well, these sorts of things don't happen at, with regard to, very often with regard to what we're going through right now. But when, when this sort of thing happens, often everything else breaks down. For example, uh, most of the career consulates in Los Angeles representing most of the countries where people would typically go to get documents uh, legalized in foreign countries, most of those are closed. And uh, the only option that uh, a citizen might have uh, could very well be an honorary consul uh, in another marketplace in another city. Uh, and so they'll often seek out those honorary consuls for that reason. Uh, and they don't all continue to operate, but many do. And uh, they continue to uh, legalize documents. They do what they have to do. They mask up, they create distance uh, situations and they make it happen anyway. Uh, and uh, I know several uh, here in town are, are continuing to, to do that. And uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's an amazing bit of work that's um, a long running tradition. Uh, as I said, the oldest form of bilateral diplomacy and, and they're still at it. So it, it definitely affects things uh, and it has a, it has a, it's very trying, but they continue on.
Yeah, I think that that's, um, you know, really great perspective. And I mean, I know that there's a very personal connection specifically to you and your role as the honorary consul in Monaco, because the prince was actually one of the first heads of state to publicly announce that they had tested positive for COVID and recovered. He recovered at home. Luckily, he didn't require hospitalization. But I don't know if you want to maybe speak to that because I feel like um, you know that that was huge when that happened and um, yes, yeah, yes, absolutely, absolutely, uh, and uh, that was um, that was uh, very early on, and he uh, uh, announced immediately that he was uh, as soon as he was tested positive, he announced that he was tested positive. He he. Um, uh, recovered in, in at, at his home, the palace of Monaco, uh, with uh, but of course with ph phenomenal medical care, which right. uh, uh, from the Princess Grace uh, Hospital in Monaco, and his, uh, his his personal physicians, which are of course extraordinary. Uh, a few of his friends and 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 many members of the government also uh, were stricken, and um, uh, many it have. It was recovered. from one meeting, right? They had all attended one meeting, and probably that was, it was... probably so, probably yeah. so. And you know the location of Monaco is, of course, in the very south of France, and it's only 15 miles from the northern border of Italy, on the on the on the Mediterranean coast. And so, it's in that hot zone uh, geographic area. Although Monaco itself was spared much of what uh, the north of Italy has had to go through, uh, it's still not far from all of that. And and so, uh, it stands to reason that a lot of people would uh, would be infected. Fortunately, the prince recovered well and uh, is back at, back uh, at work in uh, 100%. And, but he was, uh, yes, the first uh, head of state to um, announce that he uh, was indeed positive for COVID-19. Uh, and that Monaco took a very um, <clears throat> an aggressive and, and, and at the same time progressive approach uh, with their lockdown and um, making sure that uh, only the, the uh, uh, absolutely necessary, uh, you know, interactions in the public were happening, uh, and it's been uh, well controlled. The the um, so they they did that. They're able to you know they're able to, to uh, facilitate that sort of thing very effectively in part because the cut this country is so small and uh, is very tightly uh, uh, run by its government and uh, its reunions themselves. So. It's uh, uh, others, uh, you know, there's, of course, you know, the countries run the gamut. There are some that have virtually no infection uh, that are kind of baffling. Uh, Greece did a lockdown very early on, has a very low infection rate. And, and uh, New Zealand uh, also locked down and has a, is virtually eradicated. Uh, Vietnam, almost uh, no uh, deaths at all. Uh, didn't lock down much, but distributed PPE, personal protective equipment to just about everybody that walked. Yeah, I feel like the masking um, is very, um, it was more socially acceptable in yes, places like Asia. Um, yeah. And so I think it was much easier to institute some of those um, universal uh, precautions early on. Um, I know that there was some recent reports um, from some countries, um, which I won't name, uh, that chose not to allow their healthcare workers to wear masks because oh. they felt that it would scare the, um, the patients, mm -hmm. um, which I think is a terrible decision as somebody who's a public health professional. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, I think that that's kind of a, a great segue to my next question that I was gonna ask you because we had actually, um, 
were scheduled to meet and um, you chose to uh, reschedule our appointment because you were um, a bit concerned about um, where things were going. I think that's because you had heard some international travel um, uh, that had been coming from some of those endemic countries and we're hearing that some people were coming without any screening. And so I think you sort of were hearing about the impending wave um, that we are currently experiencing here in the U.S. And um, I believe you uh, chose to self-impose uh, stay-at-home orders um, several weeks prior to when the actual order came Probably down accurate, from our yeah. governor. So do you want to talk a little bit about what you've been doing personally to help protect yourself and protect your family? I know you kind of touched a little bit on the masking and sort of some other countries. Well, you know, and it's, uh, I mean, I'm probably not unique in a lot of ways This, with regard to this. I have very elderly parents, both in assisted living. I have uh, uh, grown children around the country, one of whom is a nurse in Denver. Um, another one is a uh, uh, in her uh, second year of uh, naturopathic medicine in, in Phoenix. Um, and uh, I have, of course, uh, contacts all over the planet. Uh, and the uh, yes, I'd started hearing about it uh, earlier, and I started paying attention to what was happening in China when it was very much on the upswing, and uh, then started hearing about various uh, 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 actual cases and hearing from people who were dealing with those actual cases, and um, that juxtaposed against the um, the climate in the U.S. Uh, with regard to how our uh, administration was going to treat uh, the uh, dealing with COVID-19 uh, told me that there was not going to be any dealing with it initially at least. And so I decided I was not going to get infected with this. And so I made that decision and I took that action uh, early on. And uh, it um, uh, actually, uh, I wasn't really surprised, but it did, it did cause people to uh, lash out to some degree. Uh, Americans are not comfortable with masking. They're not comfortable with somebody taking action to protect their health when the masses are not. Um, it's not socially acceptable. It's not culturally normal. And unlike Southeast Asia, where it's very much socially acceptable and normal. Uh, so uh, it did have that effect, at least initially. It was a bit controversial to some degree, just because of, I didn't make it a secret. And uh, uh, so I, t I took some action and it, it has worked out. And then, you know, later, of course, uh, I think people came around and now everybody's trying to take the same action. So I'm thankful to have the information. So, I mean, obviously now going to the grocery store is <laughs> more of an ordeal than it used to be. Um, I know that there's some things that you've uh, employed that I actually think are pretty good advice for people um, as far as, uh, you know, just ways to protect yourself. Um, kind sure. of like, you know, we have the, 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 how do I put this, the proverbial basket where you put your keys at the front door. Yeah. I feel like now we're going to have the mask hanging station Absolutely. at the front yeah. door exactly. or like the place where we, you know, we put our shoes yeah. and, you know, 
Um, we have our, our sanitizer, you know, yeah. ready to go. Um, so we're not, you know, potentially uh, cross-contaminating within our home. Right. Um, you know, having the hand sanitizer right away um, before we can actually get into the house and wash our hands. Right. I mean, obviously this is just being in public spaces, right. um, which is a risk. But I mean, I know of healthcare professionals that are doing the same thing. I think they're just taking it one step further just because of the amount of inoculum that they may yes. be exposed to in a healthcare right. setting, especially hospital. So yes, they're completely they, they know they're being exposed to it constantly. Yeah, they know they're being exposed to it. It's different from right. me where it might have been, but yeah, absolutely. So completely disrobing putting yeah. everything in one space, leaving, you know, clothing in the garage, right. um, immediately going well, and getting yeah. a shower. And, yeah, yeah, I, and I, I, I live in a luxury high rise. And so the, um, if I'm going to come across it between my door and my car are probably the, in a high rise, those are notorious for this kind of transmission. And, if you remember the SARS era in Hong Kong, yes. uh, you know, I, I knew people that lived there then and SARS transmitted primarily in Hong Kong when it was a mystery of how it transmitted, it was transmitting on the elevator buttons. And, yep. and um, the, uh, I remembered that and uh, I, I told our uh, crew here and they, they, uh, they adjust, adjusted things to do that. And uh, in fact, I'll tell you, I live at Panorama Towers and they are uh, very proactive and they've been great about it. Um, and they, they, they took great precautions very early on. It was very controversial. Not all the residents were happy about it. I was very happy about it. But uh, I, I think you may have a little bit of influence, my dear. <laughs> sweet of you, but I doubt it. I think, I think what happened uh, is, is that, um, you know, they read up and, and uh, they realized that uh, even, even in any kind of a, uh, not, something not so uh, terrifying to a lot of people as COVID, uh, in high rises, it can be bad. And in, like in hotels and big hotels can be really bad. So you have to really watch it. Well, these guys really got on the ball. And so it worked out well. I, I had decided I was not going to get infected with this thing. So I'm going, how am I going to do this? Okay, I've got a mask up. I got to protect myself and everybody that I live with or that comes and stays with me between the door and the car. And um, the car I thought was pretty easy. I realized early on that, that UV and sunlight and heat were uh, great for destroying uh, the virus on surfaces and that sort of thing. So I started parking my car on the upper deck instead of in the garage so that it would hit, get the sunlight. I um, and I, I made the car sort of a bastion where I knew I was safe. And uh, once I got in there, I'm not masked. I don't have to have any kind of, I don't worry about it much. But in the, uh, in, 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 the uh, in between there in the apartment, uh, then I, I created a, uh, what I call the decontamination zone in the front door, come in the front door of my, uh, my place. And uh, I think a lot of people have done similar things. Um, and it's pretty, you know, it's not that difficult. And I, it sounds so, I don't know, maybe it sounds terrifying to people. And I, I guess I didn't realize that it sounded so terrifying to people and that putting a mask on would scare so many people and that people would consider the stores selling out of toilet paper as a panic. I never saw a panic. I saw some low stock. I never saw anybody panic. I had a big politician here telling me, oh, you're encouraging people in this, this big panic. And, then, and I, I said, I haven't seen a panic. Uh, let me know when they break the windows to get the food because that, I don't see that happening. The, um, 
but you know, we. we I, I think I, we I, may end up all becoming vegetarians very soon, though, because the <laughs> meat uh, infrastructure is crashing. But other than that, I yeah. think we'll be all right. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I, I you know, the, it's a, it's really makes very apparent the um, fact that the infrastructure for meat is. Uh, uh, it's you know the meat industry has been telling its producers that it needs to be more sustainable and this is exactly what they were talking about and it's too centralized and industrialized and therefore it's just about impossible to distribute even though those people are all considered essential now all the distribution distribution and so forth it doesn't matter you still can't get it to market because there's uh less demand and uh, they're not in a sustainable situation now unfortunately so it's, a, it's, a, it's a serious thing but with regard to um, you know shopping, uh, yeah, you know I, I uh, you know at first the first time I went out to the grocery store after this really had broken and I had a mask on I you know as you know I I waited until there was one uh, social case in the U.S. and as soon as I heard of a social case that being one as yeah you know, the community you know, spread mm -hmm. yes. As soon as there was a community spread case in the U.S., I masked up, and um, I figured Vegas would be a bastion of this because everybody comes here, and uh, we're glad they do. So uh, I was, you know, I figured that would be the case. So I masked up, and I, the first time I went to the grocery store, I went to a grocery store uh, that I frequent in Vegas, and not only were they not careful, they seemed to be making some sort of a political statement. And so it was worse than usual. They were dirtier. They weren't bothering with a lot of things they normally would. They're trying to make a statement that they didn't need to. They had told all of the clerks to tell everybody you can't get it this way. It's only if somebody sneezes on you. And, uh, you know, wow. so it was it was all of that. And so uh, I, I didn't go back there. And in fact, um, for the, this was before, they weren't really doing a lot of curbside at the moment. Then and uh, the next time I shopped, I actually went to Chinatown, who where they were far ahead of us, and uh, everybody was masked and gloved, and everything was being bleached, and everything was individually wrapped, and they uh, they were great to me. So I did that, and ever since then, it's been uh, curbside. And I tell you what, I don't think I'm going back to the stores. Uh, this is a great uh, situation. This whole curbside thing. I don't know why I ever went into Uh, and then, uh, you know, anything, I, I know everybody's doing like I'm doing, they're, they're, they're receiving everything through the mail, ordering everything online, uh, everything from uh, improvements to your house, to uh, <laughs> groceries, to supplies of all sorts and materials. And uh, all of those things are coming in the front door. So it's one of the reasons I figured, well, we got to have this decontamination station. So yeah, I set up things that first of all, are just adverse to the um, virus sitting there dormant, like copper surfaces, where it survives the, 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 the shortest amount of time. Um, uh, a lot of disinfectant wipes, a lot of hand sanitizer, a lot of uh, disinfectant spray. Um, you know, uh, I have a, a infrared thermometer for, it was, now it's, I just use it myself, but it was also for anybody else I had coming in the house, which I don't anymore at this moment. But when I do again, I'll be hitting them with that as well. Uh, yeah. And then an ultraviolet light also that I'd blast everything with once in a while, um, you know, for a 15 minute blast in the, in the whole area there. But yeah, I take off the shoes when I come in, uh, they go on a copper mat, I spray them, I, 
I immediately, uh, yeah, remove, hang the mask. I, I wash my hands and face. I think people forget their face in this, all of this. Um, and uh, I do remove items of clothing if I think they really got, probably got some exposure. I'll, I'll remove, uh, you know, if it's a jacket that I, you know, I, was, I was doing that at first a lot and, uh, and spraying clothes too. I'd spray them as well if I thought, uh, you know, uh, they probably got, you know, some contamination uh, or had that opportunity. So um, I just, it just makes sense, you know, just to make sense things. And then great, some great instructional videos on how to, uh, by, by a few uh, people in your profession on how to decontaminate things that are packaged when they come in your, in your house. Really simple, it's not that hard, and it only takes a few minutes. And I set that up so that things come in, I take them out, uh, you know, some things you don't have to do a lot with it to take them out of the packaging. Other things you gotta wipe them down with some disinfectant, but it only takes a few seconds. You have one person putting it away, another person decontaminating everything. It's really quick. And then your house is, you know, you feel safe. You don't have to worry about, oh man, is this thing all funky? You know, <laughs> you, don't, you don't worry about it so much. And I think it's just, um, it's a great uh, peace of mind uh, once you have a little system down like that. And a little bit of a, a mechanism, a little bit set up at your doorway, you know, just, just make it simple. So uh, I did that early on and now everybody's asking about how to do it. So it's been, it's yeah, been interesting. Yeah. First, it was something everybody made fun of. They thought it was crazy. Well, I feel like, you know, necessity uh, breeds invention. And I think there's going to be a lot of new, um, you know, things that we didn't know we needed that's going to come out of this. That's kind of what I feel like is sort of the silver lining behind all of this, mm -hmm. is that I feel like it's, it's shining light on some of the inadequacies within our healthcare system. It's also shining light on the, you know, maybe antiquated ways that we, um, you know, have our employees work. Like, are employees more productive if they work from home? Um, you know, maybe are we relying too much on the service economy? You know, is that negatively impacting, you know, and showing more of health disparities amongst, you know, black and brown individuals? Right. Um, you know, I, I think obviously this has been, you know, devastating. And obviously because we live in Las Vegas, we're going to be even more impacted because of our, our tourism industry. And, you know, people aren't gonna really have that discretionary income, you know, for the foreseeable future to be able to come and spend money, but also are they going to be able to do some of those activities that we're more known for, which are large gatherings safely until we really have herd immunity and a vaccine available. So um, I think it's, it's, you know, we are gonna have a new normal but on the other side, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be innovative and, and come out on the other side, you know, maybe better than they were before. So and I, I guess I guess part of the uh, stress people have is that we, we don't really know what that new normal is yet, do we? It's uncertainty, right? Like that's, right. I think, the biggest fear. That's why we're having, you know, sure. fluctuations in the stock market. Um, you know, travel sector, everything is being impacted. But I will say that this pandemic is the great equalizer, right? We are all, we, you know, people you know, who... I, you know, I got to, I mean, I'm online a lot and, 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 and telling, uh, you know, making people aware in, in my circle, with the international world, of what's going on out there and how, and how, you know, now, I mean, right now, I mean, it's hard to believe this is the case now, but I mean, 
I mean, the U.S. is, uh, what are we, a third of the COVID in the world? Pretty close to it. Um, we are I, very close to a million cases, and that is probably a gross underestimation of how many actual cases we have because of lack right. of testing. So right. we're only testing who are who's symptomatic right now. Right. And the death count's huge. And so it's very scary. But, you know, at the same time, if you keep your eyes peeled, you know, look at some of these other countries that are very populous like Vietnam, New Zealand, Greece, very social too. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, they, they took different actions that fit their societies and uh, avoided uh, the curve altogether, actually, in those three cases. In, um, uh, and so it's, it's really interesting to see what's happening. It's, it's I think it gives hope. And I, I just, I don't think, I think people miss the, um, I often get attacked, well, you're so negative. It's not negative, I'm just a realist. And, mm -hmm. You know, in Las Vegas, um, I think we're, uh, you know, we're, we're the canary in, in the in the coal mine uh, on this kind of thing. So I knew it would pop up here quickly, and you and I talked about that because everybody yeah. comes here, and and so, and as, and they they stumble off the plane right onto the strip, you know, which is a block away from. So I knew this was going to be happening, and and so you know, of course we. we now, thankfully, we had a governor who saw the writing on the wall and shut it down and shut it down fast. And um, we've done incredibly well, I think. As yeah, a, we were like days behind California, um, which I think really um, has helped us um, in a lot of ways. I know that there are several people that are still very upset with some of the decisions that were made, but I feel like he's being advised by some extremely competent individuals, both on the healthcare task force as well as the civilian task force, which has had so much success in obtaining, um, you know, personal equipment and having it distributed by the National Guard, who he also called in. Um, because we were able to do so because of the emergency declaration, um, you know, we we have we are ramping up our ability to test because we are making things in house, and we have done that because of the wise leadership and advice that he's been getting from some of the top people in public health circles and in um, you know in the civilian sector. I mean, who else better than to get you know the former CEO and chairman of MGM Resorts to help you find yeah. and get resources? Like that yeah, man is so well connected. Like. Right. You know, I, I think we're doing better because we are utilizing the talents and the uniqueness that we have here that a lot of other states don't have. And because we are so yeah, I mean, connected. First of all, you don't have, I mean, MGM is about half the rooms on the strip. I, there, there isn't another company with that many rooms in one cluster. And um, there's, so there is nobody else literally of that expertise in the United States, literally nobody. Um, and also, um, you know, you have comparable companies like Win, where mathematics has got this incredible oh, yeah. plan put together. Uh, is, does it have risk? Of course it doesn't. He he would be the first to admit that, I think. But it's uh, it's an incredible plan, and uh, it takes into account all of uh, all of the advice he's been given and all of the expertise he's got, and that his people have in that incredible property where they were already taking people's temperatures before the shutdown. Right, they did that, and they closed before anyone else. Right. So um, I, I, I think uh, you know I read his plan, and it's really intriguing, and I'm wondering if. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm hoping, praying it works out and that his uh, opening uh, goes well. It is the, absolutely the dice roll of a lifetime. 
if, uh, if, if that doesn't fly, you know, what does it say for our current infrastructure um, it, it, within the entertainment and hospitality world in Las Vegas? It's going to be difficult to uh, redefine, but uh, I am also confident that we'll do it. I mean, you know, you talk about the problems, we can all talk about the problems that a company like MGM or a Wynn or any of these big hospitality companies, you know, Marriott, uh, but you know, I'm a shareholder in these and I'm a believer in them. And I, and, I, and I know in Vegas, these companies will lead the way out. Eventually that's what it comes down to. These guys are realists and they'll find that, that methodology that's going to work, uh, I believe, at least in, in large part. And so uh, I, I, I'm, I look for you know, Vegas to fall into this among the first, but I also look for it to lead the way out. And I, I, I'm excited to see that happen. Yeah, we were able to recover from the Great Recession. I think we'll do the same post-COVID. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, honestly, I you know, I, I can't thank you enough for your time and your um, and your knowledge and your wisdom. And you know, um, one thing I did want to maybe just add is some of the philanthropic things that you've been able to do um, because I think of the fact that you do have a daughter that works in the healthcare industry. I think you've kind of taken it upon yourself to um, what I would like to say is sort of our our, our mask donator in chief. Uh, <laughs> you know, you've, you I know that from us, the, our civilian task force, their two main goals are resources and recovery and i feel like you're really trying to help with the resource side and then given your international connections and sort of how you're you know doing diplomacy and international relations that's really going to help us from a recovery standpoint so i don't know if you want to just touch on that just a tad or uh, yeah, that's very nice of you to say and, and with regard to philanthropy i mean there are some huge philanthropic players as you know in Las Vegas and uh, in our community. And I am not certainly not one of those. I can't uh, uh, play in those tall weeds with those big dogs. Every little bit helps. And for that person that can <laughs> apply the mask, it's life-saving for them. You know, um, early on, the masks, of course, uh, uh, went short, as you know. And uh, I uh, started hearing about this from uh, nurses and then from uh, a great nurse practitioner you and I know Anna Smith and um, and from my daughter uh, Tiffany Seibel in Denver uh, who told me some horror stories going on there and, and then I also spoke to you and uh, I learned about the new CDC uh, guidelines they were coming up with and how suddenly there was all this crazy new rules with masks that were designed to not have to get more of them and everybody was out of them and so, um, yeah, that, that, uh, that uh, self-serving with regard to my own family, yeah, I, I was determined to supply my daughter with some extras and, uh, and others, including people you know uh, here in town. So I just, uh, you know, my part on that is when that's absolutely not supposed to get there and there's absolutely no way it's supposed to be able to work then it's in a little bit will go a long way. That's uh, maybe where my strong suit is. And, and uh, so hopefully I came through a little bit there. Um, certainly nothing like the 
thousands of masks donated by uh, the Chinese community in Las Vegas. What a brilliant. Oh image. my gosh, so amazing, right? Uh, I just love that. And I, I love the fact that, you know, uh, there's this this uh, real uh, legitimate problem with um, with racism, uh, COVID-based racism, uh, you know, uh, often targeted against the Asian community. And here comes Chinatown stepping up in a huge way in Vegas and showing them what they got. And the contacts they had made it so they were able to get those masks when, as you know, many of these shipments are being intercepted by the federal government who are well within their rights to do so. But nonetheless, it makes it very difficult to get anything. And uh, in Las Vegas, we managed to pull it off because of our Chinese community. So yes. I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing. So it's a pleasure for me to be able to do a little, little bit of that. And I'll tell you what, you know, uh, it just felt good to be able to do something. You know, everybody's a little frustrated sitting at home and uh, felt good to be able to do a little something with some uh, consular connections. Wonderful. So I typically will ask my guests to um, give some pearls of wisdom. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but uh, if you could tell us, you know, three, you know, pearls or words to live by, what, what do you think um, our audience should leave knowing um, a little tidbit from you, a little nugget of gold? <laughs> You know, I don't know. I don't know about pearls of wisdom, but um, I'm still going to stay a realist, even though people attack me for it. And uh, I mean, I've really got some attacks online. Wow, it's amazing. But um, I think that um, uh, I'm, I'm also optimistic. And the uh, I think that in the end, you know, I've been in Las Vegas for 51 years and every time they say it's over, we shot and it's been that way since I was a kid. I noticed it when I was a, a teenager, everybody's saying, oh, it's over for Vegas. This is it, this is, the, this is the thing that's gonna close it down. And it's always the opposite. When they say we're out, that's when we know it's our time to shine. And I think that that's gonna happen again uh, in, uh, in this environment. And um, I am uh, absolutely on board to be here and uh, hopefully be, play my little part in that. Well, I think that those are some fantastic words, especially coming from the son of a world-renowned archeologist. Learning from the past helps us to build a better future. Sweet of you, yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much. And I hope that we get to chat again when we start seeing um, things reopening and we get back to our routine diplomatic Absolutely. affairs and Look, getting all of our international let's do part two when we get to be in the same room yes and, uh, you know when uh i mean i'm looking forward to going across the street to the tower bar and having you know my bartender give me my gin and tonic again and uh yeah. <laughs> i'm all over it we're gonna go fight the me your thing and we're gonna go you know i'm totally i can't wait like everybody else, I can't wait, but uh, but I will until it is safe. So awesome. thank you so much, Christina. Thank you for everything you do. Until then. Absolutely. Mm -hmm.